Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to the podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. I'm your host, Jerry Waters, two-time wrestling champ, stand-up comedian. Uh, woo, it's been a long time. We we have uh, so many, so many things going on in this world, and I wanted to be, like, sensitive to the times, but my friend hit me up. I was like, yeah, we need, uh, we need to know what's happening in the times, because this podcast is about being alone with your own thoughts, and it should be a reflection of a timeline, a time capsule of life. So last time we dropped off, we talked about Ahmaud Aubrey, and we talked about <clears throat> how he was uh, how he was gunned down in his neighborhood. Ahmaud Aubrey was gunned down in his neighborhood, and a lot of people in this country they saw it, but they didn't know the motivation. So they're just like, okay, all right, that happened. Then the situation with Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper was bird watching. And this lady named Amy Cooper, he asked her to put her dog away, and she's like, you know what, F it. I'm going to tell the cops you're harassing me. Boom. She loses her job. Then we go to Breonna Taylor. If you don't know, Breonna Taylor was, she was pretty much a security guard. And the cops in Kentucky went out. They sprayed her house and shot her over like 25 times. And now we're here. We're here with George Floyd. If you haven't been on The Rock, George Floyd is a native from the for the great state of Houston, Texas, and George Floyd was murdered by a police officer. And I think the reason why this is the tipping of the iceberg, of the spark that made people start caring, is that people literally saw it. So thank goodness that people had, you know, phones. I think the the good thing is that people are seeing what's going on to a group of people. George Floyd had a, the police officer thought he had a counterfeit $20 bill. And when we look at the tape, uh, they kind of they were roughing him up inside the car, and they had him down on his stomach, and a police officer had his foot on his neck for over seven minutes. But the other officers had their knees on his chest, on his back, and his legs, and there was another officer standing guard, right? And uh, I was talking to some of my friends, and sometimes we're talking about like numbness, saying that if you've seen so many black people killed sometimes you'll be numb to the situation and just think this is the way it is, police brutality, that's how it happens. Like I said last time, like I've been harassed by a cop before, I've been, but I've known my way to get out of certain situations, but finally the world has seen it, right? The world has seen it, so now the world's protesting, which is good. Like the whole world is protesting, and we get to a point now, people are upset. People are upset. People are rioting, people are destroying stuff. Now there's a citywide curfew in New York City. Yeah, you got to be home at 8 o'clock. If you're in L.A., you got to be home at 5. And it's really the police are out there. Some of them are doing the right thing and some of them are not. Some of them are taking advantage of the situation. They're effing up people. Other people who are supposed to be protesters are taking advantage of the situation and they're looting. But at the same time, like Martin Luther King said, riots are the voice of the unheard. So, of course, people are going to riot. People are going to – people haven't been working – and three months, people have been in their house for three months. Some people are unemployed. Some people have been waiting for an opportunity to do stuff. My cousin, he looted. He was in Atlanta when uh, they broke into all those stores, and he stole an iPhone 11. And he told me about it. And I was like, what, what's wrong? Why are you upset? And he goes, man, I took an iPhone 11 with, ele- with, with 16 gigs. I'm like, you took the display phone? So, uh, <laughs> so we, you can't even download nothing. You can probably download three Candy Crush games. So uh, we laughed about it, but at the same time, he goes, honestly, dude, he goes, I was just angry, and I was just upset. 
which a lot of people are angry, upset. And the, the crazy thing is when there's a situation like this, when it hits the world, because eventually with Ahmad Bashar, with Ahmad, Ahmad Bashar, Ahmad, with Ahmad running with Ahmad, people were running, right? But people didn't see the beginning. But with this one, you get to literally see someone suffering. Because when somebody shot, it's like, okay, he shot. They were tussling. But this one seems like he was laying on the ground. He cried out for his mom. That was the worst. The worst part is that he cried out for his mom, and he's lifeless. And there is a woman in Minnesota, like, checking on him. She goes, I'm a certified nurse. And they're like, yo, just check on him. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to listen to if you haven't seen it already. But if you're a Quaker and you're not around the world, this is what's happening. Here we go. This is him. And this is a lady telling the police officer to check his pulse. And people in the streets are kind of, like, upset. They're seeing what's happening. So here it is. listening to that listening is tough because you got some random dude coming up saying maybe he's on crack like there's been they did the uh, the the report like after he died when they did the, the the report on autopsy report didn't have no drugs in his system and he died when they said it, he died through the pressure that was on his neck that's what we went through he lost show that he was uh choked that's how he died so the officer's been arrested it was third degree. Now it moved up to second degree. This is how this is how crazy it is. Like only thing they had to do was charge the officers, but uh, they didn't. So people started protesting until the officers were charged, right? Because the police were using excessive force in that situation. Using excessive force is when you have a force, you have you've been granted a force and a position in society to use your force at will if necessary. So excessive force. Boom! Four people holding down one man. He is big. That doesn't make doesn't give an excuse for anything. So he's lifeless on the ground. You see his drooling out. Before he dies, he calls out for his mom. That's what he does. He calls out for his mom. His mom who passed away, he cries out for his mom. He says he can't breathe. So we're just going to play it. So if you're in the people at home, you know, if you want to skip past this. But this is what the world is going. I think sometimes you got to hear this. If you, didn't see, if you haven't had the mustard up to see the footage, because some people can't see the footage, you can listen to this man at the end. He's saying he can't breathe. He's crying out for his mother, and he literally knows that his life is being taken away. His mother's dead already. So he knows he's talking to an angel right now. That's how he knows. He's seeing his life flash before him.
trying to help out. Uh, so you got to breathe with him. He's asking for water. He's crying out for his mom. If you if that doesn't f you up, then you might not be a person. Maybe you enjoy you know people being killed. But this is the thing. This was the this was the the tip of the iceberg where people were like literally people had to watch somebody lose lose life in front of them. I can't breathe. And this is how corny some people are in society that we're so numb to the fact of people being brutal for people being effed up by the cops. This guy saying, "Hey, just be quiet so you can get inside the car." And the other police officer, the Asian police officer, if you can b- breathe, if you can talk, you can breathe. I'm like, he's saying his body's going numb. And, you know, I'm trying to trying to stay calm right now, but I'm just like, man, that could have been me, you know? That could have been me. That could have been my brother. That could have been my father. That could have been my cousins. My cousin Richard, I remember he was, bra- he's still brawling. He was brawling. I remember when he was in high school. He was in high school. He's about to go to East Carolina. He's playing college football. And then one, we're sitting after church, and he goes, you know, last night uh, the cops pulled me out of my car. They had him spread eagle, and they pretty much had their guns drawn out because he's a big dude with dreadlocks. And he goes, I literally was coming home from somewhere else. And his mom goes, how come you didn't say anything? And my dad's like, no, let's get their badge number and stuff like that. And he was kind of just this black thing in society where we're so numb to being treated like this that nobody, you know, everyone's just like, oh, that's that's the way it is. And... The th- the crazy thing about it is when you see s- when the world goes through it. So now everyone's protesting, right? And it's good that Generation X and the millennials are protesting because these front lines are not just black people on the front lines. There's there's white people, there's Asian people, there's people of other races. And uh, my friend said, my friend uh, Matt Matt goes, I think black people should just sit out and let everyone in protest. I was like, now we got to be out there too. Number one, we got to be out there to make sure the <laughs> To make sure that the chants are being good, because some of the chants are just saying the most outlandish stuff. Uh, but I, I had to wonder. I remember being eight, eight years old, and my grandmother picking us up, taking us to Greenville, North Carolina. We're in, we're in the projects, and we're mar- marching for Martin Luther King. And I used to ask her, "Like, why are we still marching? It's, it's, it's over." And she goes, "It's never over. It's never over." And and she, she, my grandma Loretta, she w- marched with Martin Luther King, and I remember just being a young kid. We're walking up and down Fifth Street, singing, "What do we want? Justice. When do we want it? Right now. What do we need? Justice." And I'm sitting there thinking, like, man, like wh- I was like, "Wow!" And she goes, it's "Still, we still don't got it yet." And uh, the crazy thing about not the crazy thing is that okay, now it's affected the world. Right now, people are getting it. So what's happening is that people are using this opportunity to talk about something else. Now, we get all lives matter. We get that. But it was st- we're talking about black lives. And the crazy thing where people get frustrated is, number one, it's not original, all lives matter, because you're just sampling off somebody else. You're just a little richer in the situation. Then we're saying blue lives matter. It's like no one's saying that doesn't matter, right? If your house is on fire, you're just like, hey, I can't help your house right now. Why? Because what if my house gets on fire? My house matters now. I was like, yeah, but this community is burning right now. 
We need all boots on the ground. Come on, help out these people. And there's so much uh, division in society of minorities, you know, of minorities. Minorities, I think people don't understand how the British have separated our society so much. Like when the British started colonizing, doing everything else, and the Spaniards started colonizing, they were afraid, like, what happens if these colored people around the world rise up? Well, we gotta split these. Ba- we gotta split these people up. Okay, Nigerians, you stay over here. Jamaicans, stay over here. Okay, Indians. Well, let me tell you something. Whatever happens, even though we don't like you guys, you're above a black person. Remember that, okay? Or uh, Nigerians, whatever happens, you're above a Jamaican. Jamaicans, you're above that. They created all this chaos where people in society are like, I gotta worry about myself. What about me and my people? Who's bo- who's marching for us? And I feel like when every injustice happens, black people are always the ones marching for people. You know, if anything happens, we're out there doing it. So the results happen, right? So everyone's protesting. People are protesting. People can tear gas. I went out there to Harlem. I had to come back in because, like, sometimes you feel, as a black person, sometimes you feel like your wings have been clipped a little bit. Like, I really wanted to be on the front lines, but I realized, like, they're not going to take it easy on me. Like, if I get arrested, what's going to happen? I can't. There goes my job. You know, I'm, I'm about to have a whole family, you know. Nobody's pregnant, but I'm saying, you know. So he's like, I got to be, <laughs> Paris Sachet told me, she said, she said when she went to march, she said, I got to stay in the middle. I have like a good six people from different races behind me. So if something happens, I could push them to do it. So so people are doing that, right? People are doing that. And so the result, I got to slow down. So the results are the world's doing this. So everyone's protesting. So now it hits the work field. So now you got all these black people who are sad. You got all these black people who are frustrated, angry, and you got to go back to work the next day and pretend that nothing happened, right? Not to pretend that nothing happened, but you got to be a professional. So when you do that now, your boss, your your school is into it. Wherever you work, your place of work wants to address what's going on. So we had to talk about white supremacy, right? And sometimes it baffled me. So we did this thing, white supremacy, where we had to talk about what does justice look like and what does healing look like, which is whatever. You know, it's it's cool. It's cool, but sometimes... You don't know how ignorant people are to the certain situations. So we're inside my group. I have one of my, my Asian colleagues. And, like, people were crying in my group. And I was very surprised that they did not know anything about the struggles of black people. Like, you're, she, you know, sometimes when you're a minority, you're just worrying about yourself. And you're not worried about what's happening. Uh, my old roommate, her name is Tammy. She said inside her post, she was talking about being Vietnamese. And she said that in... You know, Vietnamese people are a mixture of people, so they come from the, the uh, shoot, I'll just read it. So she wrote, she, she wrote it really long. I'm just going to read a, a part of it. She said, for the sake of the collective of mental health and the development of our identity, we as Vietnamese Americans must reckon with our legacy and our heritage as ethnic majority and ethnic minority, as oppressors and oppressed. We must reckon of how we saw ourselves in the white community, how we saw the white community as a savior while not seeing the work that the black community did to support us as refugees. We may not have known, but now we do know. And we need to do better, and we need to do better. We know better, and we need to do better. The question what you are being taught, unlearn what you've learned, dismantle your rationalization. How was your Vietnamese-American identity been shaped by your Vietnamese heritage, your ever-shifting roles in the power of the dynamics of the Chinese, the Cham, the French, the white America? And how do you not understand your identity as it relates to the position of race in the American context? So what she was saying was, 
in Vietnam, and this is the kind of vibe I got from the group that I was in. She said in Vietnam, they relate to, you know, they're a mixture of Chinese, Hmong, and different people, and they were their oppressor. But during Vietnam, South Vietnam, South Vietnam, if I'm not mistaken, were the oppressed ones. So she said in society, when, you know, most of the refugees came to America, they looked at the white people in society as heroes because they brought them over here. So they identified with white people. They know they weren't white, but they kind of looked at white people different and took the white views, and then they looked at black people completely different. And what I had to tell one of my coworkers, because she was pretty much saying the whole time, I don't get the big deal. All lives matter. I had to go through some stuff in life, and I was like, I don't think you understand. She goes, my people have been oppressed, and uh, we had to go through all this stuff. I was like, I don't think you understand that black people have been fighting for other people's freedoms when they didn't have particular freedoms. Like, you got to dig that, you know? There's a lot of my grandfather. You got my grandfather, my grandfather's brother, his cousins. They fought in World War II. Uh, was it World War II? They fought inside either the Korean War, World War II, Vietnam. How do you go to a country and fight for other people's freedom, and you're not even free to get a sandwich in your own neighborhood? My uncle George, I think it was George or Matthew. I think it was un- he great uncle. He told me this. My grandfather told me this story that he was outside making out with his wife. His wife is very, like, fair-skinned. And a guy came by and thought he was kissing a white a white lady and came by and tried to shoot him. And then he beat the guy up and literally had to run and leave everything he had in North Carolina and move to New York because he knew they would have killed him if they would have found out that he beat somebody. As soon as they came back to get him, packed up, drove off, didn't come back. Well, came back again when things cooled off. So when people say, like, oh, what about us? I was like, that's the British saying you, like, worry about yourself. Worry about you and your clan, not mine. My dear friend, Sufa, she is Yemenite. She's Yemenite, and she's telling me, like, how bad it is in Israel, how, like, Yemenites get discriminated against. And I was like, yeah, but when you come to America, nobody cares what you look like, right, because you're not black. And she didn't. she's like, wow, I didn't think about it like that. I said, like, yeah, people think I'm Brazilian, or people think I'm this. I was like, yeah, they just know you're not black. So they're like, maybe this person is okay. You know, so we're talking in our group, and we're, we're you know, which I have to share with people, and they're talking to me. And I'm like, look, from the age of 10, I've known how to de-escalate a situation with a cop. Like, think about your relationships with a cop. I think kids in society need to know that cops can be good people. You know, when black people and brown people are introduced to police officers, like, oh, the cops are here, be quiet, or they'll take you to jail. But in other communities, this is Officer Buck. Hey, Buck, Buck lives in our neighborhood. That's the, the conversation that needs to happen, but sometimes in our culture we're numb to what's going on. So I think that it's it's good that people are caring. It's good that people are taking their privilege and trying to talk to it. People are trying to talk to supremacy. You can go on TikTok, you see all these, these little kids talking to their racist parents and saying, like, he didn't have to die, and they're just breaking down and crying. I was like, oh, you just realized that? And, uh, you know, Washington, D.C. riots, Seattle riots. And, they're just be- and sometimes they're just beating up. It's, it's sad. They're, they're beating up people. You know, and I understand that. I understand that you don't want your business looted. I get that. But all businesses have insurance. Now, the mom and pop stores, you know, you never want to see that happening like you see on Long Island and Merrick, Long Island. You got people just upset. I'm just like, they didn't even destroy nothing. <laughs> Like, first of all, there's not that many black people in Long Island. Like, <laughs> most of these people marching are of different races. They just see people just spewing, F you, all lives matter, you freaking idiots. And I'm just like, they're walking with the cops. Whew.
Uh, other thing we've been talking about is white guilt. We've been talking about white guilt and white silence. Sometimes you want your friends to speak out and they're not speaking out. And I think after having these conversations with my coworkers, some people are just scared. They're scared to talk to kids about it. They're scared to realize, and they're becoming, some of them are coming aware that, oh, black people are really going through this. Wow, I thought this was just on TV or people were complaining. One of my coworkers is one of our private groups. She's like, for the first time in my life, I had to realize that black people really don't feel safe. Which is sad. Which is sad not to feel safe. And sometimes, if you wonder why some black people are always happy or you see them with a smile or everything else, they're trying to demask their presence before they walk into a building. Like, I know if I really was inside my mind, I probably wouldn't sing, I wouldn't dance, I probably wouldn't do anything, but I know I have to come off as in, Jared's nice. Jared will never, never do anything like that. Oh, Jared's great. Jared's this. Jared, we miss your singing. We miss this, which is cool. I like to sing. I like to make the, the mood lighter, but sometimes I realize growing up, I have to make mood lighter so no one would see me as an angry black person. And I'm not angry at all. I'm always happy. But if you look at me and you don't know me, you're like, what's up with him? Are you okay? Are you okay? What's wrong with you? I'm like, nothing's wrong with me. I'm just really, uh, uh, what do you call it? A more internal person, but I had to force myself as a young age to be like an uh, extrovert. To As I'm an extrovert, I realize that people are like, oh, okay. Oh, oh he's cool. Like my old roommates uh, when I was in college, I know the first time they ever lived with a black dude, you know? And I had to get used to them. I had to get used to being not the typical people that I grew up with because I grew up in the Netherlands. I grew up in Japan. I grew up with so many different cultures, so many different people. We all understood each other. We all knew, boom, we support each other. So I'm getting to college. My female roommate at the time, she's she's blasting Gucci, man. F these. She's like saying the N-word. I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? He goes, oh, it's just in a song. I'm like, no, that's not cool. It's just a song. Like, who cares? It's just a song. It's just a song. I'm like, do you know what you're saying? That's when I realized, like, it's a whole other world. My other roommate, he's now a sergeant somewhere. I was like, you don't think he's still got these pre, con- these pre-notions in his head as a sergeant about how he sees black people? How he sees that instance where he judged me, saying, like, oh, Jared did this. I was like, dude, I've been living with you for, like, two years, and then you get mad at me about a party? But, you know, it's tough, you know? Like, Dusty Rhodes said, hard times. I think that to people who are like us or like me, I think if you protest, protest peacefully. Try to stay in the middle. You know, let the other people get into the front. Uh, write your name on your arm and write a phone number on your arm in case you do get arrested. Uh, and there's different ways to protest. You can be, it's just like football. You could be in the press box. You can donate money. You can uh, try to donate people who are bailing out. I'm going to put the link of uh, places to donate. You can donate to George Floyd's daughter. You should keep Googling uh not uh Brianna Taylor. Brianna Taylor. We still haven't found justice for Brianna Taylor. And also, there's another man who was killed. His name was David McAtee. David McAtee was a black man. He uh, had a barbecue pit in Kentucky, and he was killed. Uh, the police fired into the crowd. So should there be? Uh, there should be some type of policing of the police. I get that. You know, uh, Chris Rock has a a great bit. I'm gonna play that, and then we're gonna fade out. I'm going to play this Chris Rock clip, and I think this sums up everything about how I feel about police officers or other people. Like, you know, I still I still think there's good police officers out there. My homie Sherilyn, her boyfriend's a cop, and he protects in front of my homie Shinoa. I forgot her name. 
Shinoa Carter. Shinoa, her name is Shinoa. She wrote this post about how she's scared to post because, yes, she feels for George Floyd. She's like, but my husband's a cop, and I'm scared for him out at night. I know people are upset, and, and I know he has to do his job. And it's tough. Black people, all people are in tough situations. But I would advise people that are out there, don't yell out all lives matter because it has nothing to do with that. Yeah, all lives matter, but you're not marching for all lives. What are you out here for? Okay, you protect your business. Board it up. Stand by it. Cool. You could st- you could sit silently on the sidelines. Cool. But do you want to sit on the sidelines of justice, the sidelines of history? Do you want to do that, man? And sometimes I feel like, I was like, man, am I sitting on the sidelines? Because I want to be out there. Trust me. <laughs> I want to be on those front lines. But sometimes I'm like, I got to st- stay to the back, man. Because I know it could take one arrest to mess up my whole life, you know? Like, oh, of course Jared's been arrested. You know, you think about those notions of, Having a rest on your record, not knowing anybody in New York. I'm the only one out here, so, like, who could come get me? Freaking nobody. You think about that. And at the same time, we're like, I got to st- let me stay in the middle. You know, I march for a little bit. Then when I see, it's like, all right, this is not, and I want to help, too. I was like, all right, it's getting rowdy. As soon as I saw it getting rowdy, I was like, all right, I got I to gotta fade out. I got to fade out. But I'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll be back. I'll be doing another position. Okay? And if you don't feel comfortable marching, you could pass out water if you got water. You don't feel comfortable. You could pass out snacks. You could be next to it. You could chant on. You could chant from your businesses. You can do whatever you're doing. But just remember, people are going through this. And to everyone with a black friend, uh, you know, just realize just say, saying nothing is saying everything. So if you sit quiet on the sidelines, they're going to think like, oh, maybe I'm just nobody to you. So I'm thankful that I have cool coworkers that are stepping up and calling out racism. I got coworkers who... <laughs> Who probably are racist. I don't know. I, pr- I probably do know and wh- what they're saying to me. They're not racist. They just don't understand what's going on. So you have to educate them. And if they don't understand, you have to be all like, okay, this is what's going on. I think in our society, we can't label a person racist because they don't understand. You know, they're just ignorant to the fact. So uh, we're going to play this clip by one of the greatest comedians that ever lived, Chris Rock. And then after that, uh, we're just gonna we're just going to fade out today. We're going to fade out. And we're about to about to go watch this protest uh, downtown. I'm about to go go down there and do my part. Here we go, folks. The thing, man, when, whenever the cops gun down an innocent black man, they always say the same things, man. They always say the same thing. It's like, well, it's not most cops. It's just a few bad apples. <laughs> it's just a few bad apples. Bad apple. That's a lovely name for murderer. <laughs> that almost sounds nice. Hey, here's the thing. I know it's hard being a cop. I know it's hard. I know that shit's dangerous. I know it is, okay? Some jobs can't have bad apples, okay? Some jobs, everybody got to be good. Like pilots. <laughs> American Airlines can't be like, you know, most of our pilots like to land. <laughs> we just got a few bad apples that like to crash in the mountains. That was a great uh, Chris Rock. That's how I feel. There's good police officers out there, and you got to support them. You know, some of them are in tough situations. There's a lot of black police officers out there who who probably want to sit at home, and they want to protest, and they want to... They want to do things, but they can't because of the the p- position they signed up for. So our prayers are with them. Uh, the National Guard is there, you know. 
uh, to the people looting, you know, to the skateboarders, you know, you, you, you're kind of messing up the movement. Not kind of, you're messing up the movement, but sometimes you got to break stuff to get things to get things done. So shout out to everybody on the front lines. Shout out to everyone protesting any way you can protest. Shout out to everyone donating to people can donate uh, to the police officers, to the good police officers out there. Shout out to you. You know, we got to do your job. You got to do your job and uh, stay safe. Stay safe. And uh, we got we got some good episodes coming up. I just didn't feel like it was a time to drop these episodes because people are people are literally you know grieving and stuff. But people hit me up like Jared, we need the episodes. Can you drop something else? And I don't want to be a distraction to take your mind off of what's going on, you know. But uh, my name is Jared Waters, two-time wrestling champ. This is one man, one tree in the hill. Shout out to my homie Carla. Shout out to everyone. Out in the world, shout out to Carla, shout out to shout out to Amy, shout out to Desiree, shout out to my boy Cam Coop, shout out to my homie Tiffany Lyle Lindea, shout out to all my people out there working hard and working less. All right, folks, have a good night or day or morning, wherever you are in the world.